When uh, I was in uh, leaving sixth grade, going into seventh grade, uh, there was great anticipation because you left one building and uh, you went to a different building and it was a bigger building. There were more people there and there were people from other elementary schools that were funneled into the junior high. It was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. Uh, and it was in Dallas. Uh, and so I was uh, <clears throat> filled with a sense of anticipation as the day drew closer for me to go to junior high, seventh grade. Uh, I had it wired in elementary school. We moved to Dallas when I was in fourth grade, and uh, I, I, fourth grade was a little bit rough, a little bit tough, but fifth grade, it was great. Sixth grade, Mary Jane Latham and I were boyfriend and girlfriend, so it was golden. Uh, <laughs> she gave me a leather band that had her name on it. That was sixth grade. Seventh grade's a different story. I, I don't know if you uh, can relate to this, but sixth grade, you're in one class. I was in one class, Miss Robbins' class. It was the one class. I would go to that class, and I would learn everything I needed to know about grammar and English and science and math. Uh, you would have to go to gym, which was a different place, and you'd have to go to music. Do they still do music in, as a requirement in elementary? They should. Uh, that's how I know how to sing. I'm... Uh, they were so patient with me, I can promise. The music teachers, they were like, oh, it'll be okay. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, the, I was not a prodigy or a progeny or anything in between. So uh, I, 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 sixth grade was great, but seventh grade, you go to a different place. It's, it's not even on the same campus. It's a different street. You have to go a little bit further. It was across the street from the church, so anytime in seventh grade, you got in a fight, we'll meet you across the street at the church. Uh, not, not me, not me, I, I, not me. Uh, but seventh grade was uh, challenging, and it was challenging for a lot of reasons, uh, but mainly because it was unfamiliar territory, and, and I didn't understand the way it was supposed to work. I, I didn't understand how to get, I got my schedule in the mail, and, and that seems like a simple thing, but for a seventh grader, it's not a simple thing. They, they, you can't stay in just one class. You have to move from class to another class to another class to another class, and in between, you have uh, lunch or gym, and, and, and it was uh, just a little bit frightening. So I get the schedule in the mail, and you would think they would do a great job of explaining what those little uh, letters and numbers mean, but they don't. It's CH 105. I mean, does that mean anything to you? Didn't mean anything to me. Uh, I didn't know where those classes were. I didn't know what CH 105 was. Um, and so anyway, I, 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 was, I was really nervous, literally shaking in my shoes, literally, not metaphorically, not hyperbolically. I was literally shaking in my shoes when I went to seventh grade. Uh, first day of class and I I, I, I go there. Now, you, you might think, because I'm up here a lot, you might think that I am that kind of person that has it, has it easy uh, walking into new situations, never really feeling nervous or anxious about it, no big deal. Uh, but that's not true. Um, I, I'm, I'm more introvert than extrovert. I don't know if you know that. I, I know it's a little confusing for me to be up here and say I'm more introvert than extrovert. I do. I get, I, I get really wired up when I'm by myself, and I, I expend a lot of energy when I'm with people. But, but I'm more introvert than extrovert. And the biggest part of going into new situations, and here's the key for me, is 
I had the, a great fear, and still do, I have a great fear of being found out that I don't know what I'm doing. I have some giggles. That means you can relate. I, I have a great fear. And even at seventh grade, I had a great fear that I would be found out that I don't know what I'm doing. And so when I walk into seventh grade, I didn't know what I was doing. And I had a great fear that others would be able to recognize that Eric doesn't know what he's doing. And I couldn't let them know that either. So I faked it. I made it to the first class okay, and it made it to the second class okay because it was across the hallway from the first class. But then things got a little dicey. You see, on my schedule, it had both gym and lunch at about the same time, and I didn't understand what that meant. And so I just took the first one on the list. That was gym. So I go to the gym, uh, find it, and walk in, and I sit down on the bleachers. First day of gym class, I knew we weren't going to have to dress out or anything. So I sit on the bleachers. Immediately, I recognize that I am the smallest a uh, non-facial-haired person on the bleachers. Everybody else was bigger than I was, had more muscles than I did, uh, had more facial hair than I did. And, and I, I recognized that I, and I didn't know any of those folks. And, and so I, I, I thought, well, maybe this isn't the right place, but I was too scared to be found out that I didn't know what I was doing. So I just kept my mouth shut. And I sat there for a little bit, and the coach comes in, and he starts uh, giving everybody the lecture and the syllabus and all that, you know, all that stuff. And, 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 and then he looks, and he sees me. And he recognizes that that boy doesn't belong. And I saw the recognition in his eyes. Now, what I thought was, this is a coach, and he knows this is first day of class, and I'm obviously the seventh grader. I'm the, the little minuscule seventh grader. And I thought, well, you know, maybe he won't call me out. Well, this coach had not been taught compassion yet or mercy or <laughs> kindness in any way. He didn't just call me out. He yelled me out. I mean, he bawled me out for being in that place. He said, don't you know what you're doing? And I'm like, no. I tried to hold it together as long as I could, uh, but he kept going, so I just picked up, and tears started rolling down my eyes. Again, great beginning to seventh grade. Uh, tears rolling down my eyes. I hear these ninth graders making fun of me. Uh, I've been found out that I didn't know what I was doing. Have you ever felt like that? Just You're just trying to navigate the best way you know how, but you just don't know what you're doing. Today, we're going to listen to the words of a guy named Agur, A-G-U-R. And as we listen to him, he's going to speak God's word to us, and we're going to discover how to find wisdom when we're weary and worn out because we don't know what we're doing. And that's really what causes us to be weary and worn out. We're weary and worn out because we're trying our best to manage life, but we're coming up short. Have you ever felt that way? Hey, you come to the end of a day and you've done everything you know to do during a particular day and you've, you've tried to navigate hallways that you don't know, understand uh, letters on a page that don't make sense. You've just tried to navigate as best as you know how and you get to the end of the day and you are worn out and you have absolutely zero satisfaction for what the day brought. 
How do you have wisdom in the midst of that? We're going to take a turn here, but can I just say that, that life is harder when you don't know what you're doing, isn't it? I mean, life is harder when you don't know what you're doing. So what is wisdom and wisdom's answer in the face of not knowing what you're doing? How do we avoid being worn out? Well, let's look at Proverbs chapter 30, okay? We're going to look at verse six, first six verses. And, and uh, by the way, uh, chapter 30, verse 1, is the, one of the most contested, uh, uh, confusing, uh, cloudy verses uh, in all the Old Testament. And the reason I know that is because I didn't understand it, and I called my smart uh, brother, my youngest brother, Heath Thomas, and by the way, if you didn't know already, uh, my youngest brother, Heath, he uh, is uh, Old Testament and hermeneutics professor. He uh, was educated at, at, uh, in Fort Worth at the seminary I went to, but then he went uh, to University of uh, 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 Cheltenham, uh, I think, uh, anyway, some English uh, seminary. He got his uh, PhD over there. He came back. He taught at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, where Dick Baker is a trustee. Uh, and uh, uh, he was in charge of the PhD studies there. And then he left and he became the dean of uh, the Herschel Hobbs School of Ministry uh, at Oklahoma Baptist University. So that's been his journey over the last decade. And uh, uh, on Friday, uh, Oklahoma Baptist University announced that Heath Thomas, Dr. Heath Aaron Thomas, my brother, Dr. Heath Aaron Thomas, uh, Oklahoma Baptist University announced that Heath Aaron Thomas is going to be the 16th president of Oklahoma Baptist University. So, um, yes, president, the big dog. All right, so anyway, he's an Old Testament guru, right? I mean, and so I called him, and I, I, I called him to talk a little bit about uh, what was happening over you, but, but also I wanted to, I said, I'm preaching Proverbs 30. And he just started giggling. He said, I said, what does it mean? He said, he said, I don't know, just read it. So, uh, so let me just read it. And, uh, and, and I'll try to, I'll try to, I'll try to help us a little bit with it. All right. So the words of Agur. Okay, now we don't know who Agur is. He's only mentioned a couple of times in Scripture and no context given. Uh, he probably was not a Jewish person, so he's got some wisdom from God that he's delivering. He reminds me of Balaam, right? And Balaam back in Numbers where Balaam has an oracle from the Lord and, uh, and, uh, or David, David's last words in 2 Samuel, his last words, he had an oracle from the Lord. So Agur is now giving some, some divine revelation, and, and he's probably not a Jewish person. All right, so the words of Agur, the son of Jacques, uh, I don't even know if that's how you say it, uh, his utterance or his prophecy or his divine revelation, okay? Uh, this man being Agur, declared to Ithael, to Ithael and Ukul. Okay, all right, so let me stop right there. So Ithael and Ukul, we have in my version and in most versions, those are proper names. Those are names of people. Now, can I tell you why those are proper names? It's because we didn't know what to do with them. And, and certainly, it is, it, it is like no other name you've ever seen, Ithael and Ukul. Uh, but 
part of that, too, is those names mean something. Ithael and Ukul, uh, Ithael speaks of being worn out. It's a, it's a word that uh, I am weary. In fact, if you look in the English Standard Version, it will say, I am weary. I am weary, O Lord, and I don't know what to do about it, or I'm overcome, or I'm overwhelmed. Uh, Ithael, Ithael repeated, I am weary, I am weary, O Lord, uh, and I am worn out, ukul. Well, I don't know if that's what it means, but certainly there is a picture here in verse 1 and 2 that, that helps us understand a little bit about Agar. Agar's looking around at the landscape of life, his own and others, and he sees how uh, they are terribly overwhelmed with life. They're trying to manage life, but they're falling short. Look at verse 2. So uh, you have the oracle. Now here's the oracle. This is, and anytime you see oracle, understand as it's related in scripture, that is talking about divine revelation. God is speaking through Agar to us, to them, to us. All right. So um, uh, this is the oracle. Verse two, surely I am more S-T-U-P-I-D. I don't know if I can say that out loud. S-T-U-P-I-D. Surely I am more S-T-U-P-I-D than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. All right, so can I break this down just a little bit and we're going to look at the main point and then we're going to kind of peel it back a little bit. All right, so, so uh, verses 1 and 2 tells us that Agur is addressing you and me who are trying to navigate life while being S-T-U-P-I-D. And the reason we are S-T-U-P-I-D is because we have no knowledge of the Holy One. And we don't have knowledge of the Holy One because we don't have relationship with Him. Why do we not have relationship with Him? Because He is there and we are here and sin separates us. We want to be wise. We want to know how to manage life. We want to navigate well, but we are S-T-U-P-I-D. Say it this way. We all have dumb in us we have to deal with. And the dumb, verse 2 says, I'm so dumb, I've got a dog that's smarter than I am. We, we are dumb, and we're so dumb, we don't even have sense that God gave a newborn babe. We're so dumb, we should be able to recognize who God is, but we can't. Why? Because, Ephesians 2, we are dead in our sin and our trespasses. It is not a metaphor that sin has separated us from God. It is not a neat little religious phrase that means nothing. Sin has separated us from God and has made us S-T-U-P-I-D. And Agur is lamenting. He says, he says, this is the way life is. I'm so worn out because I have no knowledge of the Holy One. I, I have no understanding and I have no wisdom because I don't know God. Simple, simple message. We can't manage life 
apart from God. That's the point. We cannot manage life, any part of it, any aspect of it, apart from God. If we're trying to do our business and God is not the superintending force over the decisions we make, then we are navigating toward a dead end. We're walking the halls, looking for our classroom and coming up short. If we are trying to do our marriage based upon our own best guesses and God is not the superintending force and direction, then we're walking down a dead-end hall trying to find a classroom that we can't unravel the code to. If we're trying to do our emotions and God is not the directive behind those emotions, We're just living in S-T-U-P-I-D. Friends, everybody just look here. It's not complicated today. It's really not. We can't manage life apart from God. And so many of us are trying. So many of us are trying to do life our way. We're trying to do life according to our own wisdom, our own understanding. We're trying to do life, and we don't even know who God is. I want you to look at verse 4, because uh, where verse 3 becomes the interpretive key of this passage, verse 4 helps us ask ourselves a hard question, really, 4. Now, verse 4, who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? Can I, what is the answer to those questions in verse 4? God. No one else. The answers to verse 4 is God. The Godhead. But I can tell you what the answer is not. The answer is not Eric Thomas. And yet so much of my life I spend trying to pretend like I am the God of my own day. Verse 4, where verse uh, verse 2 says, I am S-T-U-P-I-D because of my sin. Verse 4 says, hey, You're not God. Stop playing that game. See, no one in this room can rope the wind or tame the whirlwind. Nobody in this room can make the sun stop in its track. None of us can stop the waters and push them back of our own will or our own accord. None of us can make the rain drop or stop the rain from dropping. None of us, none of us can conquer death. None of us, not one of us, can get to God of our own strength. Uh, The first question, who is he who has ascended? Who is he who has descended? It is a picture, and, and it is a picture that is throughout Scripture. It is a picture of the difference between God, Yahweh God, the living God, and Eric Thomas and everybody else in this room. God is high. He is holy. He is in heaven. He is separate 
from humanity. Why? Because humanity lives in sin. Our sin has separated us from our God. And there is a gulf that is fixed between us and God that we cannot cross. And yet, God in his love, come on, God in his love has determined to descend to humanity, to take on the the form of a servant and come in the likeness of a man and being found in appearance as a man, God, who is Jesus, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus Christ, who is and always has been God, left the throne room of heaven, was born in a manger in a stable, uh, took on the skin and the humanity that we have, And yet he never sinned, and he did it for a purpose, and that was to show us what God's love looks like as he hangs on a cross and he dies for the penalty that your sin demands and my sin demands. Jesus has paved the way for us to know the Holy One. The only way we get to God is through Jesus. The only way we get to God is through Jesus. It's not through being a church member. It's not through getting dunked or sprinkled. It's not through going to confession or praying a rosary. It's not through reading your your Bible every day, 365 days. It's not through going through the Bible in a year. It's not through going through your life group or your Sunday school or even if you had training union and going there either. It's not through sitting in a church service and saying hallelujah every now and then when it seems appropriate or raising your hand when somebody else is singing. It's not about any of the religious rituals that we fulfill, perform, or try to do, uh, none of those things get us to God. The only way that you and I get to God is through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lived, who died on a cross for our sin in our place so that he might bring us to God. That's what 1 Peter says. It says, for Christ suffered once on account of sin, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. Today, friends, you want to you manage life? You want to walk through the hallways without getting worn out? You want to experience the full measure of, 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 of favor and the flavor of life? You want to you drink the cup dry? It all begins and ends with a relationship with God. You are not God. I am not God. None of us, none of us can capture uh, the, the oceans in, a co- in our coat and, and wring them dry. None of us can rope the wind or tame the whirlwind. We are not God, and we are separated from God. That's why we need God. God. You and I are walking through the dark. We are S-T-U-P-I-D. We're walking through the dark and we don't know how to navigate. Stop pretending like we do. I'm still that seventh grade boy, scared to death that I'm going to be found out that I don't know what I'm doing. Well, friends, confession is good for the soul. Can I tell you? I'm Eric Thomas. I'm 52 years old and I don't know what I'm doing but I'm not scared of being found out anymore because God has rescued me. 
It's not through the efforts of my own activity. It's not through the intellect of my own mind. It's not through the, uh, through the strength of my own arms, but rather it is through the grace of a living God that has rescued me from my sinfulness and brought me into a relationship with himself through Jesus Christ who died on a cross for my sin. Guys, we can't, we can't navigate life. We can't manage life apart from God, and the only way we get to God is through Jesus So can I just humbly suggest that today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's time to come to God. It's time to find that relationship with him. You live your life, S-T-U-P-I-D, because of sin. Because your sin has separated you from the creator of the cosmos, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who understands the mind of the world and your mind as well, the one who has a heart for you. Do you realize that God has a heart for you? But in order for us to navigate life toward a a place in a way that, that satisfies, we need to begin with a relationship with God. We need to escape the lack of knowledge of the Holy One. Now, can I just suggest that if you were to flip over to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says that the beginning of wisdom is, uh, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and um, uh, understanding uh, is uh, the knowledge of the Holy One. If we're going to get wisdom, we need to go know God first. Now, get this. If you want wisdom, you've got to know God first. If you don't know God, through faith in Jesus Christ, you're not going to have wisdom to navigate life. But if you begin with that relationship with God, then the good news is he is committed to walk with you through thick and thin, ups and downs, twists and turns, to give you the wisdom and the understanding to manage life good night. He manages it for us. But it all begins in a relationship with God. If you don't have a, and look, please, I I don't want to overstate it, but I don't think I can. If you're here today and you are a religious person, you're a moral person, but you don't know that you've ever had a, a change of life because of your faith in Jesus, you've never really experienced a transaction of God's grace. Now, you're not sure if what I'm talking about, really all you know about God is the religion that you've been practicing. If that's all you got, friends, I'm telling you, please, I beg you, please, come to Christ today. It's more than just following rules and regulations of a church. It is a life-changing relationship with the living God made available through Jesus Christ who died for us on a cross and rose again. Come to Christ today. We want to manage life, and first thing is the only way we can manage life well is through God. And the only way we get to God is through Jesus. So we need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The second thing is uh, for every person here who is a follower of Jesus is we need to live by God's word. I don't know if I can, I, I know I feel like I'm repeating myself on this, okay? But just let's read verses five and six and, and just hear. Every word of God is pure. 
He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Don't add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. So what's he saying here? He's saying, all right, you're not God. Don't play that game. Don't pretend like you are God. You don't know. You're like the seventh grader walking through the hall, trying to navigate letters on a page, and you don't understand. You're not God. But God, in his love, has given us his word. And his word is truth. And Psalm 18 says that his word is pure, purified seven times. It's a picture of reliability. And God's word that we see from Genesis 1 to Revelation, we, we trust it as the words of God, the testimony of God himself. And if you and I are going as followers of Jesus, now we've entered into a relationship with God. We have knowledge of the Holy One. So why then would you start living again on your own recognizance? Why, why, do, you, why do, you, do we stop treasuring God's word as the rule of life and faith for us? And I'm talking about every aspect of our life. God's word should invade and inform and direct every aspect of our life, our relationships, our money, our job. The decisions we make on a daily basis that God's word needs to inform, direct. Why? Because it's the only reliable compass we have. Your experience, God love you, your experience isn't enough. Stop pretending like it is. You're not God. Your wisdom, that wisdom that you have hanging on a wall. I've got two or three of those things on my wall. That wisdom that I got hanging on my wall. You want to know how valuable it is? I don't know. You'd have to find out how much that frame cost. <laughs> I'm not denigrating education. It's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm a, favor, a fan and in favor of it. I'm paying for it right now for my girls. I'm a fan of education. But your education is insufficient to navigate and manage life. What we do, what I do, I won't speak for you, what I do is I will maximize my experience and my intelligence all the while minimizing the Word of God. I don't say it out loud. That's not, I mean, I'm a preacher. I'm not supposed to be doing that kind of thing. But anytime I determine to live my life based upon my experience and my education or intelligence or my emotions, if you're wired that way, anytime I determine to live my life according to those rules rather than the Word of God, Word of God gets a footnote on the page of our day. Anytime I do that, then I am trying to play God. I'm adding to or subtracting from God's word. I'm not living according to God's word. To live by God's word means that I'm going to study it, I'm going to digest it, and it is a lamp to my feet, it is a light to my path. 
It is the shield behind which I hide. It is the refuge in times of trouble. It is the very words of God that I eat like honey, and it satisfies my soul. It makes me smarter, not S-T-U-P-I-D. It shows me the very heart of the Father so that I can walk according to the heart of the Father and live according to the heart of the Father and be satisfied by the heart of of the Father. Guys, listen, you're worn out, even as followers of Jesus, because you're not living by God's word. You want to know how I know? Ding, 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 ding. I am the number one offender. Oh, I live by my spreadsheets, and I do. Or I live by my research, and I do. Nothing wrong with those things. I'm not, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying we need to get it back in, in place. Instead of elevating my experience or my education or my emotion to this level and God's word to that level, I need to reverse the course. I need to elevate God's word to the supreme level. It is the rule of life and faith for me. And I need to allow my education and my experience and my emotions be subservient to God's word. God's word is what directs my intellect. God's word is what directs my emotion. God's word is what directs even the smarts that I think I've got. Why? Because he is God, and he's got it all mapped out, and he knows better than I do. So why in the world am I trying to navigate life on my own, the little seventh grader in the halls, lost and crying, when I've got the king of kings and the Lord of lords to say, hey, Eric, let's walk this way. So will you commit to treasure God's word? Not just read it, but live by it. Not just be able to quote it, but actually walk in it. You remember the passage from Romans chapter 15. Romans 15 verse 4. Great, great word from God. Whatever things were written before. He's talking about what we just read. Whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That's education, isn't it? I like that. They were written for our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. We need to go to school in the patience and the comfort of God speaking in his word. And live on the promises and the power and the commands that he gives us. None of us want to be worn out. None of us want to be weary. All of us want to be able to manage life. But the only way to manage life is with God. And the only way to get to God is through Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you're here today and you're not sure that you have a relationship with God through faith in Christ. You're not even sure about that language. You're confused about it or you need clarity. I want to invite you to come to one of the ministers who will be here at the front. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're living by some other code than the very word of God, whatever it may be. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying 
if, if, if you're living by that code and you're neglecting the word of God, you're not putting God's word on the top shelf. You're putting some other thing on the top shelf, your experience, your knowledge, your, uh, your, your emotions, whatever you're putting on the top shelf. If it's not God's word, then would you repent of that sin as a follower of Jesus because that is sin? And would you make a commitment today to live by the word of God? And friends, can I tell you, I share this as a fellow pilgrimer with you. I share this as one who's struggling, just as you are, to live by God's word. But can I tell you as pastor that the only way you're going to have joy on the journey each day is if you and I live by the word of God. That's the way we're satisfied because we're living in submission. That is how we get wise and not S-T-U-P-I-D. Today, will you commit to live by God's word? When we commit to live by God's word, when we enter into that relationship with God through faith in Christ, then everything begins to change. We're no longer living in fear of being found out that we don't know what we're doing. But now we're living in the confidence that, no, I don't know what I'm doing, but God does, and I'm walking hand in hand with him. And oh, what power he provides when we walk hand in hand with him. You see, because of Jesus, we now walk in a relationship with God, the God who ascended and descended. We, we now walk in the relationship with God, and when we know God, we know the power of the one who made the heavens and the earth. We know the power of the one who holds the wind in his hands and soaks up the ocean in his coat. We know the one who made the world and the universe and keeps it all together. We know God. Um, and when we know him, we connect personally to the one who has the power of eternity and the grip of his grace. We know the one who unleashes that same power into our lives by his Holy Spirit. That power that comes to us as a loving father moves his hand to help his struggling daughter overcome the weight of a burden too much for her tender years. The kind of love that we find in a mother reaching down to help nourish her little baby boy who is incapable of helping himself. Friends, that's how God relates to you and me today, right now. So as we respond to God's word this morning, will you set your focus on the one who has given life to us? You set your focus on him and respond. Now, if you're here and you feel the need to come to this altar in prayer, please do that. Or if you need to talk to one of the ministers about a spiritual decision, maybe you need to come to Christ today. Pray that God would give you the courage to walk to this front and and share that with us, and we'll help you on that journey. Or maybe you just want to sit right where you are and set your focus on the God of creation who made the heaven and the earth and who longs to walk in concert with you 